Chapter Twenty of the Boy Scouts on Lost Trail by Thornton W. Burgess. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twenty, The End of Lost Trail. Early in the morning of the second day after the arrival of Doctor Miriam and Big Jim, the Lone Wolf Patrol was once more in marching order, but this time one short in number, for Spud was to remain. It had been decided to push straight north unless en route they stumbled upon some information which might lead them to Lost Trail. Pat was to leave his rifle for Big Jim. The carrying of a rifle across the international boundary probably would result in complications. Moreover, it would not be needed. Big Jim had spent the previous day jerking venison for them. Not that they needed it, for with the supplies which had been brought in, they were in no danger of going hungry. But jerked meat is always the standby of explorers and when Plimpton chanced to remark on this and wondered what it tasted like, the big guide at once got busy. The meat was cut in thin strips, salted and allowed to stand for about two hours, and then dried and smoked over a small fire of black birch. When done, it was dry as a chip, but would keep indefinitely, and retained all its flavor and nutriment. The smoke from the black birch added a peculiarly pleasant flavor, the boys had each in turn shaken hands with Smith and wished him a rapid recovery. He tried brokenly to express to them his appreciation of what they had done for him. Now the little patrol was drawn up before the cabin for a final salute to the big chief, who was himself going out that afternoon. Spud, who ever since he got up that morning had appeared to be laboring under suppressed excitement, joined the group and, walking up to Upton, gravely saluted. "'Mr. Leader,' said he, I have the honor to report that there is a trail out of Smuggler's Hollow which the lone wolves have not found, and which they would not find but for the information which Alex Smith has given me for your use. He doesn't know whether or not it is Lost Trail, but he does know that it is the shortest and most direct trail into Canada. He has heard rumors that it was used by Indians long ago. It is the trail by which he came here in his flight after the scrap in the lumber camp, he discovered it while trapping some three years ago, and says he doubts if there are half a dozen people living who know of it. He thinks it probable that it was much used once, but was abandoned, and then, with the establishment of other trails, was forgotten. And he's got a mighty interesting theory as to why it was abandoned. He thinks the beavers close the trail where it enters the hollow. He says it comes in over a pretty steep ridge, and thinks it originally crossed the brook at the foot and then swung down the hollow. When the beavers dammed up the brook and made their big pond, there was no way of getting around except along that north shore, which was so steep that it is mighty tough going. So gradually the trail fell into disuse and finally was abandoned altogether, easier trails having been opened. That's his theory, and he'd like to know what you think about it if you take his trail out. Now here are his directions for finding this end of it. Go up to the big dam, cross this and walk along the north bank of the pond. You'll find it mighty tough going, but you can make it all right. About a hundred yards this side of the second dam is a regular old giant of a hemlock close to the edge of the pond. Just beyond this is a little wash or gully coming straight down from the top of the ridge. It's so hidden by trees and young growth that you can't see it until you're close onto it. Follow this clear to the top. It's pretty steep and looks as if it would lead you straight up the mountains, but it won't. It'll take you to the top of a ridge, and then when you get there, you'll find a long, easy slope down the other side to a natural pass that can't be seen from this side at all. 
Then all you have to do is to follow the easiest course north. On the way, of course, you'll cross the railroad. Just a few miles across the line is a little village, mostly French Canucks and half-breeds. There is a good traveled trail from there to the nearest point on the river, but whether this is part of the old Indian trail or not, he doesn't know. That will be for you to find out, and he thinks, concluded Spud, that it'll be just as well not to mention having seen him. Needless to say, Spud's long speech created a sensation. Why the dickens didn't you tell us this before? demanded Walter. I didn't know it myself until late yesterday afternoon, and then I thought you'd sleep better if you didn't know it until this morning. It's my last effort at sunshine-making for the lone wolves, grinned Spud. Let's give three cheers for our sunshine-maker, proposed Hal. They were given with a will, Dr. Miriam and Big Jim joining in, much to Spud's confusion. Then three cheers were given for Alex Smith. When these were over, Upton turned to the doctor. I'd like to know what you think of this, sir, said he. I think, replied the doctor, smiling, that it is a lead worth following. You all know what the Bible says about casting your bread upon the waters. Who knows but this may prove a splendid illustration of the truth of this. Without thought of reward you have played the part of good Samaritans, the poor fellow in there, and now through him you may be enabled to accomplish your purpose. It looks very much as if, but for this valuable information, Lost Trail would have continued to remain lost for some time to come. This may not prove to be the old trail after all, but I have a feeling that it will, and I shall await with great eagerness the final report of the lone wolves. Now for the second time I wish this expedition Godspeed and success. Once more the scout grip was given all around, and then, with the wolf's head banner proudly floating at their head, the four scouts headed up the hollow toward the beaver dam to resume their search for Lost Trail. As they approached the dam, the gray old beaver was discovered at work on one of the houses. "'It's an omen!' cried Hal, as with a resounding slap of his tail the old fellow disappeared in the water. "'I have a hunch we are going to succeed!' Getting around on the steep north bank of the pond was no easy task, and by the time they reached the giant hemlock the boys were quite ready to believe that this had been a primary cause in the abandonment of the old trail." The gully was soon found, and then began another hard struggle, hampered as they were by their packs. Not only was the gully steep, but it was choked with brush, and by the time they reached the top of the ridge they were panting, hot and tired. They were glad enough to call a halt for a brief rest. Crossing the top of the ridge to a point where they could get a view of the north, they encountered one of those surprising changes in topography which continually delight the traveler in hilly or mountainous country whereas looking across from the south side of the beaver pond, the hollow had appeared walled in by a high range. On the north it now appeared that a long draw or valley, entirely hidden from the hollow by the ridge, opened between the mountains forming the northern barrier. The ridge sloped gently down to this natural pass and was covered with a sparse growth of hardwood. There were evidences that it had been fire-swept in former years. A pause was made for Plimpton to make a rough sketch, and then— the boys started down toward the valley. Although they watched sharply, there were no evidences of old blazes on the trees, but this was not surprising in view of the fact that the old trail, if it had indeed led up through here, was abandoned before the present stand of trees had started. Moreover, there was no need of such guides, for whoever crossed the ridge either way 
would naturally choose the easiest going and the contour of the land was such that there was nothing to lead one astray so they worked their way downward rapidly with no greater hindrance than an occasional windfall and presently were fairly in the valley or pass it was quite narrow at this point but after a little opened out gradually until they were in a stretch of flat woods too dense for extended vision of course this meant an absence of landmarks as guides for the first time they were obliged to resort to the compass shortly after the halt for noon lunch they encountered a good-sized brook coming down from the hills to the east and bearing almost due north this must be the feeder of a lake or of a larger stream which in turn must flow into the st lawrence exclaimed walter as long as it flows in the right direction i guess we can't do better than follow it what do you think pat that's as good wood sense you be speaking returned pat promptly water in this country takes the easiest and shortest way and an engine follows a watercourse as naturally as a rabbit follows his mother's tail if there ever was a trail through here it probably was along the stream that's logical replied walter according to what i've read the old raiding party stuck pretty close to water as long as this stream flows in the right direction we'll follow it and i guess we won't be very far off the track accordingly this was done and for the rest of the afternoon they were seldom out of sight or at least hearing of the brook save as now and again they cut across bends or made detours around swamps pat seemed to know intuitively when these were likely to be encountered and little time was wasted they made an early camp putting up a rough shelter on a well-drained knoll hard by a spring it was the first camp where there were no evidences of man's having been there before so far as solitude and natural conditions were concerned it might well have been the primeval forest and they were the first to penetrate it some such thoughts as these were passing through plimpton's mind as they squatted around the evening fire you ever make believe things when you were little he asked abruptly breaking a long dreamy silence sure thing replied hal if all the indians and bears and lions i've killed were laid out we could walk back to woodcraft on their bodies that's half the fun of being a boy i guess i know what you're thinking sister said walter it wouldn't be much of a tax on the imagination to make believe we are one of those old raiding parties i guess this wilderness is pretty much as it was in those old days for all we know some of these bloody scalp hunters may have camped on this very spot it's quite likely that they did for this is a natural campground if these old hills we've been coming through could only talk what stories they could tell if there are such things as ghosts these woods must be full of them this has been a great trip for us but think what it must have been to the first white man who ever penetrated the wilderness those were stirring old days but i'm glad it was given to me to live now instead of then listen to that wind soughing through the hemlocks sounds like the spirit of some old indian chief sighing for the days when the land belonged to the red man and he was lord of all that he surveyed something mighty sad about it when you think of it time to turn in there be no ghosts or banshees these days broke in the practical pat tis sleeping and not dreaming we should be for tis work and not dream that we have cut out for us shortly after noon of the next day they entered the village smith had told them of it was not much of a village and as alec had said the people were mostly french and half-breeds with a few of scotch or english descent as luck would have it there was a french priest there a man of considerable education and well versed in the history of the country he was much interested in the young visitors and when walter told him what they were trying to do he was still more interested 
he proved to be a veritable mine of information about that section and its history he was brimful of quaint legends many of them handed down by the indians and to the delight of the boys some of these had to do with the old trail to the american settlements one of them in particular was the story of a successful raiding party and so accurately described the course followed that there was little question that the war party had taken the very trail to smuggler's hollow over which the boys had just come there's no doubt about it exclaimed walter jubilantly we've found lost trail all right and now if we can only trace it to the end the place where they started from we shall have succeeded in doing what we started out to do i hope we can won't it be great and here the good father in his fund of historic lore proved once more of aid he told them that the road to the nearest village on the river followed an old indian trail and that this fact was established beyond all doubt the village was only fifteen miles distant and the mounds of an old fortification were still to be seen there local history said that this was an old french outpost and fur depot for trade with the indians and that at one time there had been a considerable indian village around it he would give them a letter to the chief magistrate with whom he was well acquainted and with his help he had no doubt that they would be able to ascertain facts which would tend to prove that during the early wars this was the base for many expeditions against the english settlements on the american side he did his utmost to induce them to remain as his guests until the next day and it was with some difficulty that the boys refused his hospitality without giving offence much as they would have liked to stay they could not give up the idea of spending one more night in the open and it was clear that their long hike would end on the morrow so expressing their hearty appreciation of the assistance which he had given them they bade the kindly father farewell and once more turned northward pitching their last camp a few miles beyond the village an early start was made the next morning and with a good road it was a matter of but a few hours to reach the destination here walter delivered a letter from the priest and sealed message from dr miriam to the chief magistrate the latter proved to be as hospitable as the priest and insisted that the boys should be his guests as long as they remained he showed them the ruins of an old fort and brought out some time-yellowed records of the town in which were found collaborative evidence of the truth of the story that this had once been the base of operations against the american border settlements both in the days when france owned canada and later when it became english territory this was all that was needed to convince the lone wolves that they had indeed re-established lost trail and in this conclusion the magistrate agreed with them plimpton copied the important parts of these old papers to complete his record and establish proof and with this the boys felt that their task was practically completed nothing remained but to put the report in shape and send to dr miriam and this would be done after they reached home an official receipt for dr miriam's message was given walter to be forwarded with the report that night upton hal and plimpton took the train for montreal parting with pad at the depot the latter was to spend the night at the magistrate's house and start back for smuggler's hollow the next morning wish we were going back with you pat said walter as the two gripped hands in the clasp of scout brotherhood it's been the greatest trip ever and we owe it to you for if you hadn't come we couldn't have when are you going to make us that promised visit in new york when i get the leaves out of me hair and the irish out of me speech retorted pat good-bye to yous till next year till next year shouted the three boys as the train pulled out a day in montreal visiting the many points of interest there and then one of the most picturesque trips on inland waters the steamer ride through lake champlain and george 
and from Albany down the Hudson to New York, brought to a glorious end the summer vacation and the now famous expedition of the Lone Wolf Patrol. Two weeks later, Upton received a bulky letter postmarked at Upper Chain, the post office of Woodcraft Camp. It was addressed in Spud's scrawling hand, and with eager fingers Walter tore it open. It was as follows. Woodcraft Camp. Dear Walt, Pulley for the Lone Wolves. The big chief got your report, and he acts as chesty as I feel. And that's some, believe me. He's going to do just as he promised and forward a report to headquarters. I guess we're some scouts. What? He thinks there's no doubt about us. I mean, you fellows, having found Lost Trail. Which I could have been with you, but I've had a bully time. Say it's all right about Alec. The doctor got busy right away and found out how things stood up in Canada. A week ago he got word that Black Charlie had been done up in another scrap, and on his deathbed had confessed to the priest that he was the one who killed the Mick, just as Alec suspected. Isn't it great? I don't mean that Black Charlie and the Mick were killed, but that Alec is cleared. He turned out to be the same one Big Jim knew in the lumber camp, and the two have been pretty chummy. Alec is a pretty decent sort, after all, and is almighty grateful for what we did for him. He says he's going to get me a bear skin this winter. Hope he won't forget it. His leg's doing fine. Pat and Big Jim are with him now, and are going to stay until he's able to travel. And then they're going to bring him out to Woodcraft, where he's going to try to get a job with the same lumber crew Pat is with. I got another buck, and Jim's tanning the hide for me. Gee, it was great up there in the woods. Pat stayed two days on his way back, and we knew before the big chief that you found the trail. Alec was tickled almost to death to think that he helped. Say, do you remember what you said that night about him having lost the trail? Well, that's just about the way it was. But he's found it now, all right. Said if he wasn't so old, he'd be a boy scout himself. Told him what you said. The idea seemed to please him and he told me to write to you that you fellows were not the only one that had found a lost trail, and that his find was a better one than yours. Pat came in to relieve me when I had to come out. Tell sister he's a grand little scout, because if he hadn't had that plan all prepared, when your main plan fell through, we shouldn't have had all these things to think of, and I shouldn't have that lynx skin. Hasn't it all turned out bully? Hope we can do something just as big next year. Yours as ever, Spud Eli. Chief Cook and Sunshine Maker of the Lone Wolves. Good old Spud, murmured Walter. He sure did his share in the finding of Lost Trail. End of chapter 20 End of the Boy Scouts on Lost Trail by Thornton W. Burgess Recorded by Keith Salas